Welcome to Talking Far, Far Away. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Join Brick City Blockade as we discuss the canon of a galaxy far, far away. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network. It's a little theory sit down here with Mr. James Brown himself. James, it's been a long time since you and I have talked. Yes, it has. Work has been insane and personal life has just gotten in the way. But I am still here. So That's true. How you doing? We're both alive. <laughs> We're both alive. We're both well. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Whether you're listening on Google Play, whether you're listening on iTunes, I know you haven't heard our voice in a long time. So we're back, and we've got an interesting... You know, James and I have our conversations outside of what we do with the podcast sometimes, and sometimes we have to say, you know what, it's time to hook up, and it's time to start talking about some theories that we've been getting into. Now with The Last Jedi stuff coming up right around the corner, we finally... We're expecting a trailer soon. We've seen some leaked pictures. We've seen, of course, now with Force Friday by us, some stuff with Supreme Leader Snoke. James and I had an interesting conversation not that long ago, and we said, let's sit down let's talk about this because James you have a little bit of a theory about a good friend of ours from both The Force Awakens and now from this upcoming film all these Snoke theories that have been flying around everybody's looking at you know Snoke Palpatine or like is Snoke you know Vader but you know he's back and the, the thing is that with a lot of these a lot of these theories people haven't really taken into consideration the fact that Andy Serkis came out and said Snoke is nothing we've ever seen before. He is his own bespoke character. So I kind of got to thinking. It was like, well, how does Snoke fit into this? How does the Knights of Ren fit into this? And if we first look at the Knights of Ren, the Knights of Ren didn't start operating until after the Battle of Endor. Right. And uh, they didn't exist until after the Battle of Endor. And they were just kind of this group of Dark, for dark Force users that just you know popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. And if we look at Snoke, he, he is like nothing we've ever seen before. The guy's the guy's frankly terrifying. He's probably we we don't have any confirmation that he's force sensitive or not. But with him being the head of the Knights of Ren and the head of the First Order, which the the name of that organization organization is also going to play into my train of thought here. We go back and we start thinking about the last Dark Force users that we that we saw, which were the Sith. And if we go back into what is my own personal specialty and kind of what kind of what I uh, read into the most is the old canon pre-Disney legacy universe. And uh, we had about 10,000 years before the Battle of Yavin um, to around 7,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. The Sith were not as we knew them in, in the, in the uh, Galactic Empire times. They were actually an alien race, an alien race that was entirely Force-sensitive, had a strong symbiotic relationship with, uh, with the uh, dark side of the Force, and uh, they were the native population of Korriban, which was the quote-unquote Sith Order homeworld. Right. Now, there were a couple of theories of what had actually happened to the Sith. There was a Sith war, and a good portion of the population were wiped out. But the remaining Sith who were on Korriban began interacting with then what would become known as Dark Jedi. And uh, through interbreeding, genetic manipulation, the Sith race and the Dark Jedi, who were mostly human, began to you know, kind of dilute itself. And they became their own race. They became the lineage that spawned uh, well-known Dark Jedi and Sith Lord names like Nagasado, Exar Kun, 
the kind of all the big baddies that we knew from from the old republic and uh, pre old republic universe. So in talking uh, in no short order about the uh, the advent of the Death Star on the on the toy box and hoping that Disney's not going to go back to that tired old plot line unless it's the Maw installation and the Death Star original right. prototype, which in that case pretty badass. We get to see the Maw on the big screen, but I highly doubt that. We kind of came around to the the who is Snoke, and I, I kind of had like this little after we we're talking about you know the old Sith and reopening Cortosis refineries, right. and Snoke leaving Vader's castle to Kylo Ren and doing the Mustafar what the Sith did to Korriban, and uh, you know talking about like the Last Jedi being the Knights of the Old Republic of uh, the film, and, and entirely new characters who are going to do insane stuff. And from there, it just kind of it kind of clicked in my head that the Sith were kind of this all-powerful dark force group, and they haven't been seen, you know, as as a pure Sith in probably five or six millennia. Sure. What if Snoke is the last purest relative of that Sith bloodline? Because the Sith, as a species. Even the diluted ones slowly started dying out due to you know the, the advent of the Jedi and the hunting of the Sith and the, the war between them, which led to the Sith pretty much fading into darkness. What if Snoke, who's been around for about a millennium, has been pulling the strings from behind the whole time? And you made the point that uh, in The Phantom Menace mm-hmm. up through uh, Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith, Re- Revenge of the Sith, Jesus, Revenge of the Sith, Revenge yeah. of the Sith, dude, my brain's not working today, it's been a long day, <laughs> um, up through Revenge of the Sith, Yoda and the rest of the Jedi Council could sense the dark side, they could sense the Sith, right. but when Yoda's standing directly next to Palpatine, who, I'm sorry, is not powerful enough to block that directly from Master Yoda... And is standing directly next to Count Dooku before Dooku actually ended up turning away from the Jedi Order. He could not sense them. So we come to the theory that there was a far more powerful Sith Dark Force user who was blanketing the entire Jedi Order's senses with his own power, which would lead us to this massively powerful Force user who, you know, we've never really seen anything like that, aside from, you know, the classic stereotypical powerful Force users, Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, and Yoda. And, of course, Maze Windu. Um, Who can forget Jedi Master Nick Fury. So we're thinking about something that trumps all of them. Now, having not seen that since the Sith War, the old Jedi when they had unlocked their force abilities, they hadn't watered themselves down, they hadn't become this monastic order, they were an order of warriors, something from that era, which led me to the theory that Snoke is the last of the Sith, Snoke is an actual Sith, and Snoke is probably the scariest and most powerful being that we have ever encountered in Star Wars. Yeah. Realistically, based on what James and I have been talking about over the course of our discussion when this theory was really proposed, and it was, of course, naturally just in Star Wars discussion that this even came up. That's just the kind of thinking we do here at the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network. It's next-level stuff, guys. That's why you guys always listen to us. And one of the things, James, and I, and we kind of talked about this, and I'm glad you brought up the whole Phantom Menace aspect of it, because, again... 
here, I think when we first started doing this network, I think we all came to the agreement that, yeah, the prequels, there are things that we really don't like about them. There are things that... Really, <clears throat> jar Jar. <laughs> there are things that we really do like about them in some ways. And I think the stuff that we've learned through discussion that we like about the prequels is the stuff that we don't see. It's the stuff that George Lucas kind of built in the background that he wanted us to explore and have discussions about like we're having right <coughs> now. I, and you bring up a great point that about between Master Yoda, Mace Windu, that, that's a very new generation of Jedi compared to what we're talking about when we're talking about Legends. And we're talking about really the immense amount of knowledge that a Jedi truly had to have at that point. It cannot be compared between Master Yoda. He's a very powerful Jedi. Don't get me wrong. But compared to some of the original Jedi Masters, even to a Revan who finally turned back to the light. Oh, he was, I mean, you want to talk about three, four times as knowledgeable as Master Yoda. The ability to do that. So in saying that, I think really what we're trying to say here is that Supreme Leader Snoke himself, everything has come down to the point of this guy has existed, like we've been talking about, over... Uh, a millennial or millennium of, of time in the Star Wars universe. There had to have been something out there that would have shadowed even over the available Sith when we're talking about the prequels. Master Yoda could only sense a certain amount of that. But for the whole Jedi as a whole to have sensed it, it would have have to have been much larger. You think about the Jedi Temple was built on Coruscant above a Sith temple who knows if snoke had had a presence in that temple thousands of years before that his presence alone could still be felt on coruscant at that time and palpatine continued to push coruscant as his home planet because he knew that the sense of the dark side had always been strong on coruscant even before then snoke is playing the puppeteer's role and he's been doing it for a long time and the last point i want to bring up just before we get more into conversation, is that recently, if you guys haven't read the Thrawn novel, I don't know, James, if you've dug not into yet. the Thrawn novel yet, but a little bit of this pulls from Legends as well. <clears throat> it's really not spoilers in any kind of way. When we were talking about the Thrawn trilogy, he always warned the Emperor that there is something larger out there that is always going to be of concern to the Empire and may be the downfall of the Empire in the long run. Was he speaking about the Yuuzhan Vong? He might have been. But you're talking about Timothy Zahn here. A guy who is really kind of a puppeteer in the canon world himself. Yeah, I wanted to go this way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I want to move it a certain way. Timothy Zahn was pointing to something much larger than just the Yuuzhan Vong at that point. Thrawn is so smart in that case that he was able to say, yeah, guess what? You guys think you know your history about the Sith Empire. You guys think you know your history about where you come from. Guess what I've been doing? I've been doing research on what's truly out there. And there's something you got to be concerned about. That's where Palpatine got the idea. We're talking about Empire's End, of course, when Absolutely. we're moving into that. Obviously, it all came to fruition yep. when we're talking about that book. No spoilers, but James, the puppeteer. Let's talk about that alone because I know that's kind of the main point that you're trying to get with this Snoke thing is that he's been there moving these pieces along. Palpatine could have easily been one of those puppets that he'd been moving along the entire time. My other... The, the other aspect of that um, would be that 
Snoke's been pulling the strings, but how closely has he been pulling the strings? Mm. What if his entire ploy here, because I, I think the First Order's name goes back to uh, the the Sith wanting to be like the predominant race in the galaxy for a very long time, which led to the original Sith War. So now he's bringing back the First Order. He orchestrated the fall of his enemies, the untrue Sith, the, the diluted Sith. He orchestrated the rise of the Republic. He orchestrated the fall of the Republic. And he orchestrated the Galactic Civil War to remove any major player of consequence from the reemergence of the Sith. Maybe... His entire idea was to play Palpatine's ego, or Sidious's ego. Making him think, feeding him, you know, little hints, little tidbits of knowledge, whether it be through holocrons, or through, you know, force visions, or whatever, to lead him to these certain things, where Palpatine thought that he was an extremely well-read, well-versed, well-knowledged student of, you know, the Sith culture, and of the dark side of the Force, and then we have Snoke, who is masking him, making him think that he is more powerful than he actually is. Which is why we had, you know, Mace Windu was successful against him. Yoda was eventually successful against him. And he, each time that happens, you can see, especially when he's fighting Mace Windu, he's like the, I screwed up face at the end there. Mm. Until Anakin steps in. And that's why they go with the Yoda's always to rule because he's not actually as powerful as you think he is. Snoke's just making him think he is. So, in that case, thinking on the spot here, what is what is the chance then that Darth Plagueis himself was a manipulation of Snoke? That the death of Darth Plagueis was a way for Palpatine. We always hear the stories in the modern canon that Palpatine was the one who killed Plagueis in his sleep. There is just so much unknown there that by killing Plagueis, it was giving him the confidence to say, yeah, you know, I can go out and I can be the next ruler of the Sith. Well, guess what, buddy? Snoke is sitting up there and he's trying to move some pieces around. He's making you think that. He's the ultimate manipulator in that way. Basically, the original Sith. The ultimate manipulators when it came to trying to gain power. We kind of saw that, actually, when you're talking about gaming. Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, yeah. You saw it. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you see the trailers. I know one of my favorite things to watch, James, is that uh, little uh, fan-built film with Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. And then you see the two, the two Jedi fighting against the two Sith Lords. And then at the end, he's like, we will bring you know the Sith rule back. And, he, and the other Sith comes right along and just cuts them apart. And it's like, it's amazing because I think there's just so much there that we may see happen with Snoke that we're finally going to learn. And it's going to be fascinating. And I think that this conversation alone is important because there is more to this guy. There's a lot more to this guy. And Empire's End Alone, I know you've read it. A bunch of us here at the network, Scott Inch and I, of course, we've done a review of Empire's End. One of the aspects of that book that I think plays large into this, and you brought it up, the re-emergence of the original Sith Order, the First Order, is the Acolytes that we see in Empire's End. Yupei Tashu, who is obviously the leader 
somebody who's been around Palpatine for a long time, somebody who has a real in-depth knowledge about the Sith, is training these acolytes. Now, in a recent article that I did when I talked about the Praetorian Guards, I brought up the point that, yes, we're going to see these acolytes Mm -hmm. in the canon, probably as the Knights of Ren, and then I made a comparison to the Roman Guards, the Praetorian Guards in history, that they were military leaders who were charged with serving the emperor. People who had experience. These acolytes were split up. Kylo Ren was given a certain amount of them. The Praetorian Guards were those who experienced more of the action as acolytes. The ones that were trying to get rid of any sense of the force. That is the traditional Sith Order in its most most simple sense. Because there's just so many different levels to this, James. Absolutely. And um, it actually brings us back to uh, another, just again, on the spot thing here. We were going with the whole Knights of the Old Republic, we're going with the Acolytes, and we're going with a a reemergence of the old Sith, and we had touched on old Sith technology. Mm. You know, people are going to start, you know, wondering, what if there could be another Star Forge? What if there could be another... Actually, I'm going to go even further with, uh, we saw in Rebels the celestial personifications of each side of the force yeah and uh the technology that was around around the time when they were actually a viable presence realizing that prior to the rise of the republic there was actually an age where the technology was not necessarily more efficient or newer but far more powerful. We're talking like right after the, the Duros gave uh, hyperdrive to the Corellians mm-hmm. and they fashioned these massive, absolutely huge battleships um, that would dwarf Star Destroyers now and they were talking about and uh, we're talking about the original particle beam weapons which make blasters yeah. look like freaking pea shooters. <laughs> and uh, so true. then with uh, the mass production of space travel, it's a classic economic tale where the level of power of the uh, kind of kind of like the the industrial revolution here where we got these massive factories that dwarf you know kind of what we have now but weren't as productive and you know massive wars that are fought on scales that right now in this day and age we could barely comprehend we kind of scaled back the technology and we kind of refined it and we made things a little bit more streamlined and modern but not necessarily more powerful. So we're going to see a resurgence of that kind of technology with the modern streamlinedness and efficiency. So we're going to see a first order that combining the old Sith technologies and principles with the modern Galactic Empire technology level is going to be absolutely terrifying. Yeah. There's, there's a really good chance that The Last Jedi, based on what we've heard from Ryan Johnson, and we've said it all the time here at the network, this is not going to be a cookie-cutter film. This guy is really trying to bring out the canon and really do something special with this film. That's why he's in talks to end this this series of, of the, the small trilogy of films. Because now that Colin Trevorrow's gone, which is more recent in news, if this guy hits the mark with The Last Jedi... He's the one you want to wrap it up with. You don't want to send it to somebody else if he's able to hit Snoke on the nose and to be able to carry that gritty tone outwards. I know George Lucas says he wants to end this thing, and he's really trying to push it, 
But you know what? If Ryan Johnson can really get this right, we've got something really special happening here. I'm really excited to see. James, one of the other things I want to talk about when it comes to Supreme Leader Snoke himself, and I've given it some some thought since our discussion, and one of the things is that we've seen a lot of pictures of him come out more recently, whether whether it's the Topps trading cards, whether it's on posters, and we do see his presence along with the Praetorian Guards, along with Kylo Ren, the first thing I can really dial this style back to, and it's so funny, I was I was looking at it from different perspectives. You know, you can take an image and you can say, yeah, it fits this, it fits this, it fits this. And maybe it's because Andy Serkis is playing his character, but I got a real hard Lord of the Rings and Hobbit feel. It doesn't count to be those mask precious. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but there's just something that really calls back to Lord of the Rings in terms of the grittiness. Talking about the two towers, the grittiness. You're talking about the real true medieval feel to this film. I think we're going to see a lot of it. And I think he's going to really try and bring out that feel to it. You know, Snoke is not somebody who's just going to sit there now and is going to be the puppeteer he's been exposed now leia knows of him what happened with han obviously they have a clear knowledge that snoke was the one that turned their son ben solo to the dark side there is just so much that leia must be telling or had told the resistance about how dangerous this guy can be if he can manipulate the minds of people the traditional sith the manipulation of the mind and I think Ryan Johnson's going to be able to do this the right way. Because if it's not done the right way, it could be a real disaster. It really could be. But in Star Wars, we trust as we always say. My brain just did something. I love it when your brain does You stuff. mentioned <laughs> Leia already knows about Snoke, which is true. She's known about Snoke from the friggin' beginning uh -huh. of Force Awakens. We know that Luke had, at one point, the Jedi Academy. Still, mm -hmm. we know that fell apart. Obviously, Snoke is the reason it fell apart. Luke knows about Snoke. Luke probably told Leia about Snoke. Mm -hmm. Had her form the resistance because of her success with the rebellion. And then goes off into whatever exile he sent himself into. Luke is going to have to teach Daisy Ridley everything there is to know about Snoke. We're going to learn so much this film, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite crazy. Unless they do that infuriating thing where they're like, well, now the characters know something, but we're not going to tell you. I just had another brain spark. I love this. This is this is the whole part of the discussion. Real thing. <laughs> In the Last Jedi trailer, the first one we see, we see the gloved hand of who we would assume to be Luke rub over the book of the with the Jedi Order symbol. Whether that is the journals of Ben Kenobi or whether it is an original Jedi textbook that speaks about the relationship between the light and the dark. My <coughs> thoughts on this now, we say that Luke has a knowledge of Snoke in some ways. If this is the journal, I'm going to be curious to hear your thoughts on this because I think 
we're getting a little bit more in depth here. If Luke studies, which obviously we know from the Luke Skywalker comic book, from the Star Wars comic book series, that he studied the journals of Ben Kenobi. What if in Ben Kenobi's solitude on Tatooine, through Yoda's teachings, through the teachings of Qui-Gon Jinn, in that book, Ben Kenobi warned that in his senses, he was able to sense Snoke far out in the inner depths and that he was not necessarily only protecting Luke from his father and from Palpatine, but from Snoke himself manipulating Luke, being one of the most powerful and bloodline Jedi in the galaxy. I think my mind would be completely blown if Luke was to open that book and say to Ray, yeah, I studied Ben Kenobi. He knew about this guy even before Yoda and all these other people because guess what? He took the time to research. He took the time to connect with the Force, not through the use of a lightsaber, but through the use of the mind itself. I only find one problem with that theory. Sure. Yoda is the one who told Obi-Wan that he had communed with Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Discount Yoda from that whole thing. Yoda told Obi-Wan mm-hmm. to commune with Qui-Gon Jinn because Qui-Gon Jinn is one of the most widely theorized gray Jedi. Mm-hmm. So maybe he could sense more of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could sense more of what was actually going on. Yeah. Then once he found out how to make himself one with the Force, which was originally not a light side trick, what inhabits the tombs on Cor- on Korriban? Sith ghosts, the the Force representations of the Sith lords who became powerful enough to make themselves one with the Force at their death. Qui Gon Jinn figures out how to do that. He teaches Yoda how to do it. Yoda teaches Obi Wan, or uh, Yoda and Yoda teaches Obi Wan how to do it by having him communicate with Qui Gon. Qui Gon, when he be- when he becomes one with the Force, gains more of a sense of what is going on in the Living Force. Senses Snoke, warns Yoda. When Obi Wan finally reaches this state of mental clarity where he can communicate with Qui Gon's Force Ghost, warns Obi Wan. When Obi-Wan tells Yoda, you must go to the Dagobah system, all right? That is him telling Luke, dude, it's about to happen. Vader's the least of your friggin' worries. Go win this thing so you can deal with the real problem. Yeah. I mean, now we're going back. Now we're going even back before Obi-Wan. We're going back to them Building, and we're assuming that Disney is going to be this epic or this smart. <laughs> Them, sorry, Disney, I love you. Please sign my paycheck someday. But we're talking about Disney building a plot line in that probably makes more sense than they think it does, if they're even smart enough to think in this direction. We're talking about everything since Qui Gon's death in the Phantom Menace. is being manipulated by Snoke, and it has direct correlation to this plotline. 
Which, funnily enough, if we go back to Phantom Menace, makes it actually the most important movie in the series. Because Imagine Black that. death <laughs> is the one that sparks it off. So he's going to have to spend, you know, millions and millions of dollars to do a, a revamp Jar Jar free episode of the Phantom Menace just so we don't have to feel ashamed of ourselves as fans. That's to you, Jim. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, keep watching that flag out front of your house. Yeah. yeah I got you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's amazing because we've gone from Snoke being the puppeteer to Snoke's connection to the Jedi. Which obviously in The Force Awakens we hear if Luke Skywalker is to return, he is the last of the Jedi and the last of the Jedi will rise. Snoke obviously has a pretty clear idea that Luke is pretty powerful himself. So then you talk about, well, how does he know he's that powerful? Well, some other Jedi was able to tap into where Snoke was at and then Snoke was able to tap into their knowledge. Which would have been Ben Kenobi, who also has the direct knowledge to Qui-Gon Jinn. You're talking about the manipulation of the availability of Force Ghosts. You got Yoda. You got Qui-Gon Jinn. You got Ben Kenobi. Anakin Skywalker is also a Force Ghost. Not the Hayden Christensen one. No, of course not. No, the, the original old guy one. Uh, that that uh, is much more fitting in terms of his age when you see him... And uh, the massacring of little children. I, I, st- I still don't understand that part. But, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating because we really didn't get an idea of where even Anakin learned how to do that. He knew that, obviously, in the Clone Wars, he saw Qui-Gon Jinn's Force Ghost. He saw it. He, he knows that that availability exists. Whether Palpatine trained him to learn that that that's uh, availability because of his knowledge of the dark side and the Sith we don't know but you bring up a really great point and again Disney please cut the paychecks to James because he's got a really good good point here we do have Pablo Hidalgo and we do have Dave Filoni who are at the helm of the story team here at Lucasfilm you got Ryan Johnson, who's a guy who knows how to write a gritty, very well thought out film. You put the minds of Pablo Hidalgo, Dave Filoni, and Ryan Johnson together. You have the availability of people who really and truly understand Star Wars lore. And whether, you know, Rogue One, I, I'm going to bring it back to Rogue One in this way. That film, even though it got great reviews by everybody all over the world and we as Star Wars fans really enjoyed it Absolutely, that film was in its most simple sense fan service they knew how to give the fans what they wanted and to find out how the Death Star plans were stolen you had your little tidbits that little spot where you had C-3PO and R2-D2 you had Vader at the end of that hopefully I'm not spoiling it you should have seen it by now and you did have Leia and the mention of Obi-Wan. Well, who are we going to call up right now? Well, I got this guy on Tatooine that I can call up, and he can come and help us at some point. You had the ultimate fan service in that film. So uh, I am just going to say, don't worry about spoiling Rogue One, because if you are a Star Wars fan and you have not yet seen Rogue One, you deserve to have it spoiled for you. So stop complaining. 
So that film did bring out the greatest sense of fan service. That's why we love that film so much now. Is that because it knew where to hit the marks and it knew when to throw in those little tidbits. The Last Jedi, in every way possible, if you could get at least one sentence of Snoke with Kylo Ren before him, with the Praetorian Guards in present in the throne room, with Hux there, and he said, yup, this is my Grandmaster plan. I'm showing you now. Now that Luke Skywalker is now present and he can be sensed within the Force, obviously Kylo Ren will easily be able to sense Luke and Rey on Ahch 2 in their training. Now Snoke has to lay out the plan of, yeah, this is what I've been doing for thousands of years. And you don't need it in an hour. You just need the basic tidbits. And whether we get it in canon after that, I would love to see that in a canon novel form so that we could really dig in depth. But it sounds like, James, you have uh, some thoughts on that. I will say, unless the legacy storyline and we're not talking about the legacy current legacy storyline we're talking about the legacy storyline from back in the novels correct in the 80s and the early 90s after jedi uh, came out that plainly state luke skywalker is the most powerful jedi ever to live and you follow the progress through um the Shadow Crystal, and some of the older novels like that where Luke comes into his own, studies uh, the teachings of the old Jedis, not, you know, Yoda old, but like Ulit Queldroma old before he started following Exar Khan. Going back to the era when Jedi were truly powerful, and you follow all the way up through, um, you know, the current, the current time, if Luke is powerful enough to block Snoke from sensing him and Rey, and Snoke only knows that Luke exists still because of this new Force-sensitive lightsaber-wielding, he knows who she's going to go to. Snoke may not know where Luke is, this may be the only thing that Snoke is afraid of, and mm. that's why he's stepping up his game so much. Because he doesn't know where they are. Snoke is actually scared that the last of the Jedi Order, the most powerful Jedi ever to live, the man who defeated Darth Vader and Palpatine as far as everybody else is concerned, is still alive. Snoke had no confirmation until now. Now he knows. Now he's scared. And in being scared, because fear is an emotion that the dark side uses, he is redoubling his efforts. And he's about to <laughs> stop up. He just destroyed the seat of the Republic, dude, on a whim. What is he gonna do next? Just had a brain spark again. We see in The Force Awakens 
Kylo Ren is tapping into Rey on Starkiller Base. He's searching her mind. I see the island. I see it. Something hits him. He hits a wall with Rey. And she says to him, You will never be as strong as Darth Vader. Bam. That is manipulation by itself. Jedi do not use manipulation in the sense of trickery. Other than maybe what Ben Kenobi did. These are not the droids you are looking for. Other than that. But to use it in a malicious way. To attack back at him. Kylo Ren goes to Snoke. If what you say is true about the girl, bring her before me. There is something more to this. This is what J.J. Abrams was setting up because Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams sat down before this film was even produced to talk about where the storyline was going to go. I feel that in that moment alone, Ryan Johnson's film started to come out. That was The Last Jedi, right there. Let me throw this at you, James. For Snoke to recognize that Rey had a power even more powerful than Kylo Ren and what he had taught him up to this point, to bring her before him, we're talking about him possibly being the last of the true Sith. What if, when we're talking about Rey's lineage... We're talking about, yeah, Luke is the last of the true Jedi, in this sense. What if Rey's lineage is something that's not worth exploring, but is something that fans have to research? Because there is a very good sense, right here, that Snoke, for him to be as disturbed about this scavenger on Jakku, there is something about Rey that is rubbing him the wrong way. That she is just as powerful. What if we're talking about Rey having lineage to some of the first Jedi? Then we're getting into the Jedi-Sith Wars. What if we're talking about Rey's lineage not being important to the average Star Wars fan who goes and sees the film, but to people like you and I on a Friday night who are sitting down and talking about this stuff? What if there's something to that? And that not only could Luke Skywalker be fighting Supreme Leader Snoke, but yeah, Daisy Ridley and her character of Rey and Snoke have such a battle brewing that we may not even see this until episode 9. I would like to think that Disney does that much research <laughs> in the um, sir, I, Again, I write us checks, please. Right, please. Um, I'll take a screenwriter credit or at least, you know, I don't know, EP credits. What do they actually do? Yeah. Um... But if Disney actually goes into this much research and makes these movies that are enjoyable for the lay fan and then lore intensive for the, you know, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, you know, Doctor Who lore heavy fans that the the average um anti-socialite like ourselves is uh, <laughs> is evolving into it's a good point yeah right 
like you said, it's Friday night we're recording this thing. <laughs> whoop, whoop. If Disney's actually getting this lore intensive with it, or even close to this lore intensive um, that our, our rambling conversation's going into, um, then I will be extremely happy. Um, I, I guess kind of the last note I gotta leave it on is uh, don't bring back the Death Star Disney. Just just don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't use the same tired old plot device. Even if we're completely off base and we're just spouting hot air and we're just throwing out theories that you know sound cool at the time and then merit actual further research and actually make sense. If Disney even gets close to that, I will be very very happy. Uh, so we'll we'll see how we'll see how this goes and we'll see if any of our wildly harebrained theories are even anywhere <laughs> close to the mark. <laughs> Last thing I'll say on this, James, as well. Beautifully said. I think that there's just so much that they could open up here. And if they do it, if Disney takes the route of let's open up the lore, they've just created their 20-year marketing plan for novels. Right there. Ryan Johnson will therefore have opened up every single novel. You're talking about Snoke. You're talking about Daisy Ridley's past at that point as Rey. You're talking about... Uh, uh, multiple Luke Skywalker novels and you're probably also talking about the Ben Kenobi film that's been rumored about his communications with Qui-Gon Jinn over that period of time if our theories do prove out to something whether they're small whether it's word for word which probably doesn't happen but probably not. at the same time, at the same time. But this is recorded and uh, copyrighted, so Disney, come on, don't take it, or or do take it and pay me. us. Based me, based on our conversation, James, over these last few days, and finally sitting down to talk about it, there has never been a film I have been more excited about. We say that with all of them, but I think I truly mean it this time. More excited about in terms of what it could truly do for the fans. Force Awakens, again, was a great introduction to the universe. I say it all the time. The Last Jedi has the possibility, if all these things hit the mark, of being the most influential to the Star Wars universe in terms of continuing this storyline. It's obviously, if everything proves to be true here, James... Episode 8 here means there's going to be more films. I think we've already came to that conclusion based on what Disney said. It's going to continue on if they can keep this going. If this film hits the mark, I think it's guaranteed, yeah, we got some more story to tell here. Especially if Ray proves to be somebody that we can continue on. And you guys will hear plenty more here on the network, I'm sure. Any final thoughts on that, James? I agree with you that this is the most, the one that I am most, most excited for. I will, however, curb myself at the use of the word excited. I would say that I am anticipating, not not anticipating. I am waiting with bated breath to see what happens, to see if, like so many other things, once Disney takes over, they improve it. Uh, when it comes to series I am alternately excited and terrified because mm. if it 
turns out to be this cookie cutter white bread film in the Star Wars universe that we've been dreading, you know, another Phantom Menace or worse, then I'm I'm not sure how the fans are going to take it and if they'll be able to sustain a move forward because if it's not a movie that the critics and the fans most importantly the fans love it's going to kill the franchise and they're already contracted for uh, after Last Jedi I think it's three more movies we have the two side movies and episode nine but if since Disney already decided they wanted to rewrite the Star Wars universe if in rewriting it they've improved it and they've started thinking outside of the box and they don't do another, you know, giant battle station going boom movie, which we see an entirely, we've now seen in three out of the extant eight films. Stop using the same plot devices and really start not just rewriting, but expanding and improving the Star Wars universe then we're looking at a franchise that could easily last another 20 years and possibly further. Um, we're looking at a, a franchise that, you know, is going to be just as successful as Star Trek and is going to probably spark World War III, which instead of being fought over the Middle East and North Korea is actually going to be fought over what's better, Star Wars or Star Trek. It's what we've been dreading all along. <laughs> Dilithium crystals at half power. <laughs> I don't think I have the power. On that note, I got too serious with it. I had to. I, had to <laughs> I was depressing myself. <laughs> On that note, James, it's the time of the show. It's a little thing we like to call plug time. That's right. It's plug time here at the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network. Mr. James Brown. Where could the good people find you across social media? Good people can find me on Facebook at James D. Brown. People can find me on YouTube at Bub Speaks. And people can find me on the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network. That's pretty much it right now. I just got a smartphone, so I'm not really uh, tech savvy yet. I haven't got myself a Twitter or an Instagram. We'll get them there, folks. We'll get them there. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Please make sure to head on over to my Instagram. Follow me at the official vote. Send that friend request over on Facebook. Head on over to www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away. Head on over to iTunes. Subscribe and please make sure to rate and comment. Your rate and comments bring on the epic conversations, epic guests. We have a lot lined up for you coming the end of this year and into next year. Some real surprises for you guys. So please make sure to rate and comment. Let us know what you like because that's what we do here at the network. Awesome, guys. Thank you for listening so much. We want to hear what your theories are, so please head on over to Twitter. Use the hashtag BCBPN. We will probably have a poll up very soon as we approach The Last Jedi, which is in theaters on December 15th this year. Thank you guys for listening, and may the Force be with you. If I may, sir. Yes. I want to say one more thing on that. Sure. Still going? Yeah. All right. There are a couple of shout-outs I'd like to do for a couple of people that I that I met and got in contact with uh, this week. 
First of all, uh, Mr. Keith Nelson, you were an absolutely fantastic guest at the hotel where I work. Gentleman walks into the hotel wearing this absolutely fantastic shirt, which he told me I could take a picture of. Show to the podcast guys. We'll post a picture of it on the uh, on the website. We'll show you what this guy walked into my hotel wearing. Got into a great conversation, and Mr. Nelson decided that he wanted to download every single episode That's of Brick City like. Blockade podcast that has come out from beginning of time until today to make his drive back to Rhode Island, I believe it was, more entertaining. No, not Rhode Island. I'm sorry, sir. Wisconsin or someplace like that. I forget. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, it's a long freaking drive, and he's going to be listening to our podcast the whole way. So thank you, Mr. Nelson. The other one is I know that one of you at least is listening from Phillips Exeter Academy. Your parents, your mother actually came down to the desk, and she said that you should listen to our podcast, and she wanted the name of it. So, I'm not going to say your last name. You know who you are. You're supposed to be sending me an email because you had questions about the podcast. Get on it, kid. We'll talk soon. Have yourself a fantastic day. And may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>